When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. We have another special guest joining us in the second segment. Danny Shirey, who covers the pens for DK Pittsburgh Sports, is going to be joining us. It's awesome. He is so intelligent, has so much knowledge about the game, about the Penguins. Uh, it, it's awesome. You're going to love it. So please stick around for that. But first, let's let's touch on some injury updates there aren't many but there are some and that will lead us into the saddest news of all time so taylor what's going on with with all the injured penguins yeah so uh rust he you know got hurt in warm-ups uh in in long Mm -hmm. island he still hasn't been skating yet uh still week to week he was uh wednesday's practice before the start of practice he was he was standing you know in his workout clothes like hanging out the bench door with his stick like stick handling and, and taking shots uh, from the bench door. So he's working out. He's around the team. I uh, just hasn't been skating yet. Uh, Zucker missed practice Wednesday, just a maintenance day. Um, so that's good news. Uh, Malkin has, has been skating non-contact Jersey still Wednesday's practice. He did start mixing in on the fourth line at center and wing, uh, just taking some shifts, still not taking contact. So really, yeah. uh, not clear when he's going to be back, but, um, the bad news. Jake Ensel in, yeah. in Seattle. We don't know when it may have happened, but he's now week to week with an upper body injury. It seems likely that that happened in Seattle. Uh, it was like about five minutes left in the first period. He he wasn't trying to block a shot, but he took a shot uh, to his hand. Uh, and he okay. immediately skated off. He did take another shift that first period, uh, finished the first period in the locker room, but then he came out for the, the second and then went on to mm-hmm. score two more goals. Um so he was feeling fine to finish that game. Uh, but it seems nothing else happened to him that game that stands out. Yeah. So it, it seems likely that that's what he's dealing with. But yeah, week-to-week upper body injury, huge loss, obviously. Yeah. My God, that is critical with the point streak that he was on. Was it 12 or 13 games? It, 13, 13, yeah. 13. Oh, my God. That is such a blow to the Penguins. And for his season, too, if you think about just him as an individual player, he was on such a tear and on pace for an insane amount of goals and points for the season. So now that he's out week to week, that's obviously logic better than month to month. But at the same time, like that could turn into a month or two. We have no idea. And, oh, that just he he was our best player. He was he was performing at such a high level. Like, honestly, you could argue the best of his career. Uh, He was playing that well. So, Jenna, what does that mean for this team right now? What is it going to look like to try to compensate for the production he was providing? Well, that's what they're going to have to figure out because I think it was before the Seattle game, Mike Sullivan was saying that they need to find more depth scoring. They Mm -hmm. need to get more defensemen involved. I feel like it's been... 
I, I can't remember when was the last time we saw a defenseman score a goal for the Penguins this season. Has it been recent? I feel like you can't. It's I, I, I want to say it was on one of the TV broadcasts ahead of the game, but like the rate at which defensemen were scoring for the Penguins at this time last year, this point in the season last year versus this point in the season this year is drastically less than what it was last year. And obviously different circumstances, things along those lines, but there's just Mike Sullivan was saying that they need guys to step up. And this was when Jake was the only one it felt like that was scoring. Mm-hmm. So now when you're losing your leading score, your leading point getter, you're going to yeah. need those other guys. You're going to need guys who have already stepped up guys like Dan Heinen, Jeff Carter, Jason Zucker. You're going to need players like that. And I think that line to me is very, very interesting. And we saw mm-hmm. some really good glimpses of it in the Seattle game. I liked it a lot just in terms of the chances they were generating. I think that's going to be something that they can build on. Um, but they're going to just need to, you're going to need guys to step up. Just, you know, it's the classic get pucks to the net and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you look at Jeff Carter's two goals against Seattle, get pucks to the net, see what mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Because they were super fluky, but that doesn't happen if you're not there. Like, and we talk about this with Danny a little bit more in depth, but honestly, when the Penguins have been dealing with such key injuries to critical players, like take goals, however you can get them. And we talked about defenseman scoring former Penguin, Jamie Alexiak scored the Penguins very nice goal against Seattle. Mm -hmm. That's one of those fluky ones you're talking about, you know, he deflected it in. So that's just what happens when you put pucks on net. Yeah, exactly. So, that line will be interesting to watch moving forward, uh, see if they can maybe develop some chemistry and make things happen. But obviously the the biggest question mark right now is surrounding who's going to replace Jake. And Kapanen was in his place in practice on Wednesday, but is there any chance that anybody else slots in instead of Kapanen? Taylor, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough to say. Now, in Wednesday's practice, he was the only one that took any, you know, line rushes where, you know, no one else worked with that line during any of the five-on-five work. So, you know, Sullivan did say, you know, he has finishing ability, size, speed, all that. They like what he can bring. He did say they're still trying to work out some bad habits out of him. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they're hope, I think they're hoping that putting Kapanen on that line can help kind of break him out of his, of his funk because they're really not getting what they want out of Kapanen this mm-hmm. season as far as production. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll have to see. He, he has played with Crosby uh, just a little bit. It was last mm-hmm. season, uh, early in the season. It was in February. It was only really around six games. Um, and I, I looked uh, when they were on the ice together, they scored four goals allowed to, it's a really small sample size. So I don't know how much of that you can read into, but, uh, I mean, if, if Gensel's week to week, not a whole lot of other options. Mm-hmm. Zucker maybe a possibility, but then he hasn't been that great this season either. Um, yeah. he, he wasn't at practice again Wednesday, so we wouldn't have seen. They do practice on Thursday where uh, maybe we might see them try other combinations. But right now it's looking like Rodriguez, Crosby, and, and Kapanen is your top line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jenna, Which- is there anybody else you would want to see in that in that role? Well, it's interesting because like instinctually and when we were talking to Danny, he kind of acknowledged this. But you you, you want to be like, OK, what about Danton Heinen? But then mm-hmm. I think you kind of go back to 
the chemistry that we saw a little bit from the right. and Carter Zucker line. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, but there's good chemistry there. Plus I think also with Kapanen moving up, correct me if I'm wrong, but that brings back the Bluger McGinn, Zach Aston Reese line. Yeah. They were together. Yeah. Which is kind of what, again, what you expect to see when you have yeah. healthy bodies and things along those lines. So I think this is also, I mean, granted, we don't have a timeline for when Malkin can come back, but this is kind of a good jump start for Kapanen because clearly, ideally, you'd like to think that when Malkin does come back, he's going to go back on his wing. So mm-hmm. then you would like to think that you see that momentum generated from him where he's like, okay, we're working, we're back in it. You know, I'm on a top, you know, six line, top, top six yeah, line again, and then I can, you know, go from there. You want to see because he is in a funk. There's no doubt about that. And you want to see him break out of it. And this might be, again, the jump start that they need to do at any time. We hear from players all the time. Anytime you play with a guy like Sidney Crosby, you elevate your game. And then yep. some, and especially with the bad habits that Mike Sullivan was talking about, I don't think if you're Casper Kapanen, you're going to want to keep doing those when you are playing alongside Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taylor, you mentioned that he, he was asked today about, his play as of late and he cut the reporter off and said terrible thanks so he and you can even see it on the ice when he is struggling he gets really frustrated visibly when he's not playing up to a certain level so it not that you want to see a guy getting paid that type of money underperform but it is at least a little bit encouraging from a fan perspective to know that he's aware of the fact that he's not been playing well and that he obviously wants that to change. And he cares about the fact that it's, it's not been all that great. Yeah. And what, what's uh, Sullivan alluded to with like the habits, it was um, like really what Kapanen does when the game slows down um, and you know, not what, cause what he does off the rush is good. He's able to take shots and all that mm-hmm. he uses speed, but it's when it slows down or things stop, the puck stops, what does he do then? So that's kind of what they're yeah. trying to you know work with him on. But I mean, yeah, yes. I asked Captain, you know, what do you have to do to, to, you know, make up for this, this loss of Gensel? And he said, you know, use mm-hmm. his speed. So um, keep his feet moving, keep the puck moving, yeah. uh, play to his strengths on that line. And he said, really just get it to, Crosby and Rodriguez because you know how well they've been playing so um yeah we'll we'll have to see yeah and players can turn it around sometimes it feels like on a dime and I know that people were kind of apprehensive about Casey DeSmith starting uh, against Seattle on Monday but he played really well and to be fair the entire team played really well it felt like from the second they skated out onto the ice they were just they knew they were going to win the game and they got three goals within the first five minutes so like that's a pretty solid start however Casey DeSmith looked really 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 good in his first win of the season and that was somebody that people were rightfully so concerned about because it obviously when Jari's playing as well as he has been that's not a concern but what do you do if there's an injury. What he can't play all the games. So having Casey the Smith finally break through in December to get his first win of the season that that's huge. And Jenna, do you think that 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 we might be seeing more of that level of play from him moving forward now that he's finally gotten that 
kind of off of his back and maybe move forward a little bit. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, you talk about plays of the game too. I think he made one of the catalyst plays where it was late in that second period. The Penguins, I'm trying to remember exactly what the score was, but it was late in the second period where he had the stick save and then the Penguins went the other way. And like a minute later, it would have been, he got a stick in the way for what would have been a tap in from McCann, I think. And yeah. then Geeky the and McCann, he broke it up. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rush from them, right? It yeah. was a, it was like Gia, Geeky and McCann had a two-on-one. Yeah. Geeky was trying to pass it to McCann. DeSmith yeah. broke it up, yeah. DeSmith mm. breaks it up, and then minutes later, they get the two quick goals, and all of a sudden, the dynamic of the game completely changed. So yeah. he's getting into that rhythm. Again, you know what he's capable of. We saw it last season. We've seen it previously. But for him to do this now and for him to kind of make a statement and say, all right, hey, I am still here. I can still do this when there's all the outside noise and outside chatter mm-hmm. about, is he going to stay with the penguins and yada, yada, yada. This is good yeah. for him to say, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still playing my game. Look mm-hmm. what we can do. And for them to say, Hey, you know, obviously Tristan Jari is playing really well, but knowing that when we're going to need to go to you in a back-to-back situation right. or, you know, if there's an injury, God forbid things on those lines, they're going to have confidence in him. Like they always mm-hmm. have. For sure. And I honestly, I was a big advocate after the postseason collapse last year that if if we had had Casey DeSmith healthy for those games against the Islanders, I think that entire series and potentially playoff run would have turned out very, very, very differently. And just because he was playing so well there down the stretch, um, Mm -hmm along with Jari kind of very much picking up the slack when Jari started to, the the wheels just kind of fell off. Taylor, do you think that that injury had anything to, because it was, it was lower body kind of assumed that it It was. was, Yeah. Soft tissue groin injury. Um, Yeah. That's that's pretty, you know, uh, that's a very uh, tender part of the body. So, and, and you need, to have f- total flexibility when you're a goaltender, like you need to be able to move and move freely. Do you think that that and coming back from that injury had anything to do with maybe his very inconsistent and poor play at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I remember, you know, when he talked during during training camp on the preseason, uh, he said he felt fine. Um, not that I think if he was still dealing with any anything, you would have told us anyway. Um, but I don't know. I think he got enough games in and, and preseason and played enough during training camp that I I don't think that was really, uh, still an issue at this point. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint what the issue was. He definitely was underperforming the, the stat I like bringing up for the goalies, Mm -hmm. the goals saved above, uh, expected, which takes into account not only the quantity of shots they're facing, but the quality and where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and how likely that type of shot is, you know, to lead to a goal. You use that and, you know, compare it to what a goalie is actually letting in. DeSmith was near the bottom of the league in that stat, which means he really was blowing it for them. <laughs> um, so I, I think at some point it becomes a men- mental thing, too. Yeah. Um, and he did say, you know, after getting this first win, that, that was just huge for him mentally that, cause, you know, he went <laughs> until December without getting his first win of the season. At some point, you know, you're getting in your own head. Maybe that's weighing mm-hmm. on you. Uh, as a goalie. So it, at some point, I think maybe it became a mental thing for him, um, yeah. maybe rather than a physical thing, but maybe just getting this win uh, moving forward, that helps him because 
really they don't have a ton of great options, um, at least mm-hmm. as of right now. In, in Wilkes-Barre, Lindbergh, Domingue, not healthy. Uh, so Alex mm-hmm. Dorio would be your third goalie. Um, has never been in the NHL, obviously. Started the year in Wheeling. Uh, but again, not, I think not someone you want to turn to in the NHL right now. Uh, right. Domingue, when healthy, again, he doesn't have the greatest NHL experience. Um, he is more of a proven goaltender. That's why they brought him in. But uh, I don't know uh, if he's necessarily any any better than DeSmith. Great baker, though. Louis Domingue, look, look him up on Twitter. He posts, like, cooking videos. Like Really? Big, yeah, like recipes. I think he was coming out with a cookbook at some point. But, like, he's making, like, cinnamon rolls and, like, apple pie and, like, bread and all this. And he's posting the videos, like, showing you how he does it. So, uh, I don't know. Bring him up. Bring him up just for that. Get everyone some cinnamon rolls before the game. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a game changer. It really is. <laughs> wow, I love it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, we're going to take a quick break so I can <laughs> look up his baking yeah. Twitter and find his cookbook. And we will be right back with Danny Shirey after this uh, quick break. And we are back and we are joined this segment by DK Pittsburgh sports penguins analyst, Danny Shirey. Danny, thank you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Oh, yeah. You are like a savant uh, on all things analytics and and hockey and just knowing the game inside and out. So we really are just so pumped to have you here. And I know that you have some thoughts that you that you really want to share about the king of Pittsburgh, (laughs) big Jeff Carter. Uh, Apparently you aren't as high on him and his play as of late as the rest of the city is. Can you fill us in as to why you don't think he's been playing so well? Yeah. So I I think this season Carter has been playing a lot more like what I expected him to play like last season when the Penguins acquired Mm -hmm. him. And if if anybody was following me on Twitter at the time, I'm sure they know the infamous tweet where I said I was going back to bed after uh, I saw that the Penguins had acquired Carter. Um, But Nobody expected his goal scoring rates from last year to hold up this season, and he's still scoring at a decent clip this year. But if you look at a lot of the goals he scored, uh, especially his two most recent goals, uh, they were basically he Mm -hmm. just threw it to the front of the net and it found a way to bounce in. And, you know, obviously the puck going into the back of the net is a good thing. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're focusing on the process and not fixating on Mm -hmm. the results, especially in a small sample like that. And, uh, you know, after he scored those two goals, I saw people talking like, man, I can't believe anybody think thought that Carter has been playing that well this year. He's on pace for 25 goals. Uh, But I I just really think the Penguins have been asking quite an awful lot of him, especially because Mm -hmm. they've been using him on the penalty kill. Uh, And even at times he was their top line center and and he's he's 36 years old and he's just not dynamic enough for that. Um, But this season, 
I, I think he hasn't been as strong transitioning the puck. He, he's not a transition mm-hmm. machine by any means. But last year when he came over, I thought there were numerous occasions where we still saw some glimpses of the speed that he used to have. And he would be able to gain possession and get through the neutral zone and establish possession into the offensive zone. And I just haven't seen as much of that from him this year. And he's one of the only Penguins that has been outchanced at 5v5 for the entire season. And obviously mm-hmm. that's not the not the end-all be-all indicator of his overall performance. But I, I do think there's something there. Um, and, and I think it just boils down to the Penguins asking an awful lot of him right now. Or is he just missing Freddie Gaudreau? I was so high on Freddie Gaudreau last uh, season. I was too. I, I was pretty there. upset that they uh, that they opted to keep Erod over him, but uh, we all know how that's working out now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of lead right into what we were going to talk about when we before we started recording. We were kind of chatting about a couple things, and you said you had a ton of stats for Erod. Now, I covered him when I was in Buffalo covering the Sabers, and seeing his game there to seeing his game here, especially this year. Two totally different games mm. from him. But just what have you seen from him? I know you just have a lot for us. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is that I love his willingness to hang on to the puck. We we see a lot of these, mm. especially these middle six guys um, that, you know, at the first sign of trouble, if a, if a defender's in front of them or if they don't have any support, they'll kind of just chip it up the boards or into open ice at the other end of the rink. Um, but Rodriguez, that hasn't been the case. If if he doesn't have a, a play to make, he's going to hang on to the puck and, and use his skating ability. And he's, he's actually got some pretty decent hands as well uh, to, to open up his own lanes and, and it provides more time for him for his line mates to get down ice and support him and him becoming a threat has opened up more ice for his line mates as well because the defense has to respect him. Um, but the, the stats that I was referring to, and I, I tweeted one of these this morning, um, but the biggest one that's standing out to me right now is that Rodriguez ranks seventh among NHL forwards in goals above replacement. Now that, that metric, I, I, Again, don't think it's the end all be all of of ranking players. And there, there's a lot of context that goes into that when you need to cite those statistics. But I, I do think it speaks to how well he has played this season. And that goes for both ends of the ice. I mean, if, if you look at the Penguins uh, heat maps. Uh, when he's on the ice, the Penguins are basically shooting from everywhere on the ice at a higher rate mm. than than league average. But if you look at the defensive side, there's a, a giant blue pool in front of the Penguins net in the most dangerous areas of the ice. And of course, you know, he's he's one of five skaters out there. And I think the Penguins defense has done a really good job of protecting that net front. But I think a lot of the things that Rodriguez does in the defensive zone, as well as the things he's doing in the offensive zone to prolong possession are leading to such strong metrics and you can you can really kind of see it with him too a little bit just again seeing him and his confidence level where he was at his last season in Buffalo before the trade and seeing him now I mean you can kind of see and maybe it's just me seeing this but I feel like Mike Sullivan's style of play is a style of play he really fits into whereas Ralph Kruger's was not entirely exactly I guess adequate enough for him. And just in terms of, I mean, Grant Ralph Brewer didn't get a ton out of that team regardless, but that just didn't seem to suit him as well as Sullivan style mm-hmm. does for him right now. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think hockey, and obviously it's important in all sports, but I think hockey more than any other sport, it's, it's extremely important to have that confidence because, um, it, and it's kind of something that unless you've 
been out on the ice and played, it's it's kind of hard to understand. But I even remember back when I was playing in high school, we were on the ice, you know, six or seven days a week. And then we'd go off for holiday break and we weren't on the ice for 10 days or whatever it may be. And you go back out on the ice and you feel like you've never skated before. Um, and and I, I definitely see that confidence in Rodriguez, obviously, because guys that don't have the confidence aren't going to try and make the plays that he's been making. They don't have the confidence to shoot the puck with the frequency that he has been. And as well as just hanging on to pucks, like I, like I said a few Mm -hmm. minutes ago. So um, I I've been super encouraged with his overall game and it it really is a huge development for the Penguins going forward. Absolutely. And he, not only is he making really smart decisions he's avoiding really dumb decisions and that is sometimes just as critical and to to watch him turn into a really solid hockey player has been a lot of fun and it feels like one of the few rewards from the final years of Jim Rutherford's tenure with the Penguins Uh, and it's just it's been it's been really great it's also been awesome to see Jake the tear that he has been on the, the past however many weeks, it feels like he's been rolling for like two months. But unfortunately, now they announced today that he's out week to week with an upper body injury, assuming it's a hand related thing after he got in the way of that shot. So in your opinion, who do you think should slide up to the top line in his place and who do you think actually will slide up to the top line? So based off of practice from today, it looks like Kapanen's going to slide into that right wing mm-hmm. spot on the top line and Rodriguez is going to hop over to the left side. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Kapanen. I, I know that he has the ability to be very opportunistic and, and score those big rush goals and those big moments. But I, I think he's got too many deficiencies, especially when he's when he doesn't have the puck on his stick. And obviously, we've seen him making a mess of himself and basically falling all over himself when the puck is on his yeah. stick this season. Um, but you know, I I often find him just out of position, going against the grain, and and really messing up with the flow of what the Penguins are trying to do out on the ice. So I I guess if if there's ever a time for him to to get his crap together, that it's going to be on Crosby's wing. Um, but if I were making the decisions, I would probably leave Rodriguez over on the right side and I'd be promoting Danton Heinen to that top left wing spot mm. just because I've I've been so impressed with him this year. And and aside from the first few weeks, he really hasn't had all that big of a role uh, just with the way the lines have have shaked out. But he's been extremely effective at getting the Penguins, not only with his individual shots, um, but with his playmaking mm. ability too to get the Penguins to the front of the net and the slot area to create a lot of chances. And he's he's not a bad defensive player either. I, he's not going to win any Selkie awards, um, but he he's just a very cerebral player. Um, is good with the puck in tight spaces, always knows where his teammates at and and where the lanes are. So um, I've been super encouraged with him as well. And and he would be my choice for that top spot. Kapanen, he was asked to evaluate his own play as of late uh, after practice. And he he didn't even let the the reporter finish the question. He just said, terrible, thanks. Um, So he knows he's been having problems. Sullivan did say they're still trying to work out some bad habits out of him. Captain said he's just looking to use the speed uh, in that new role. But I wanted to ask you about Dominic Simone. I've been, uh, I guess, an advocate of Dominic Simone, at least just being in the lineup. Um, 
I know a lot of Penguins fans uh, don't agree. He definitely is a lightning rod. Um, it seems like a lot this season either want to put him on a rocket ship and, and send him to the moon, um, <laughs> or, or they agree with me. I think he's been fine. I know I've looked at, you know, um, just like the on-ice, like shot attempts against and or uh, shots on goal against. And last I looked, he was second um, behind Rodriguez. Uh, so what have you seen from Dominic Simone? Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of the the things that we've been accustomed to seeing with Simone. Uh, obviously, the the giant knock on him is that he can't finish his chances. Um, but the the thing that has happened or, or transpired through the first twenty so games of the season this year is that the Penguins have have been good defensively with Simone on the ice, and they've been generating a decent amount of offense with him on the ice as well. But combining his individual finishing as well as his on ice finishing, uh, you know, playing with bottom six line mates for the most part, the Penguins are almost scoring a goal fewer than what's expected of them based on their chances. So I'm inclined to believe that 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 will kind of regress positively toward the mean over time. But at the same time, we do know that Simone is is not the most gifted finisher in the world and and he's not going to be putting a lot of pucks in the back of the net. So I, I think if he keeps doing what he he's doing his his teammates and line mates finishing will come around eventually but even mm-hmm. if it doesn't the penguins know that they're going to have solid two-way play whenever he's on the ice and and I think he just needs to keep doing his thing yeah I mean he he knows his finishing ability isn't great he's definitely aware of that um and it even going back to Wilkes-Barre I remember the first time I talked to him when he was in Wilkes-Barre it was his second year down there and his goals really dropped off from the last season but his assists had gone up and I remember I asked him like is that you know an increased focus on playmaking uh this season and he's like oh no my shot's just bad I'm like okay so um, (laughs) that's just who he is uh he knows what he is but um he's not trying to be a sniper so uh I don't know I think on the fourth line you could really ask for a whole lot more at this point yeah, he's been performing really well, and he's he's fun to watch. But whether it's exciting or frustrating, uh, he definitely he always provides some level of anxiety, and it's it's a lot of interesting plays. But he is a polarizing figure, um, and always has been. In every single like when he was here originally, when he came back, people were either so excited to have him. Or like, yeah. Well, the, the like you said, Taylor, the, the other thing with Simone too is that everybody's like, yeah, well, if he's creating chances, but at some point you got to put the puck in the back of the net. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, yes, we would prefer the puck go in the back of the net a little bit more frequently, but would you prefer a player that is not putting the puck in the back of the net and is also getting cratered while he's out on the ice? So <laughs> yeah. I, I've just never understood the sentiment. Yes, you want him to score more. You want everybody to score more. But at the end of the day, if if a player is on the ice and and your and your team is controlling mm-hmm. the the lion's share of goals, shots, shot attempts, and even the expected goals, I don't know that you can chastise a player for that, especially when he's got upside mm-hmm. aside from just his finishing. When well, going for sure, back, and you have go ahead. Going back to his first in, in Pittsburgh, not his last season in Pittsburgh, but the one before that, when you know he was doing re- when he was on the top line for a fair bit, um, the top line did better with him on it. Than, than anyone else. So Hornquist, you know, whoever else was on that line. And I, I, I put that out there and a lot of people are saying like what you're saying, like, yeah, but he's got to finish. But it's like, no, but if they're doing better with him on it, you don't get any extra points for having more evenly mm-hmm. distributed scoring. If he's with Gensel and Crosby, 
he doesn't need to be the, the finisher. He just needs yeah. to get them the puck. It was funny. I did ask him that season, do you know what Corsi is? And he said, what? No. And I explained it to him, like the concept. And he's like, huh, never heard of that. It's like, well, you're really good at it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, just did not care. So, um, yeah, just an interesting guy. I think the people complaining about his lack of finish are also very uh, oblivious to the Penguins' current cap situation, too. Like, who who do you think they're going to go out and snag with the two pennies that they have? Like, it take what you can get with this lineup, and if a guy is playing well and just not finishing, okay, fine. Like, accept the fact that he's a really solid two-way forward, and he's on the bottom line. Like, the, like, like you have all been saying – there's really not much more you can ask of him. Like, and when you have guys like Jake who are scoring in like however many games he scored consecutively and like 13 game point streak, like it's okay. Pump the brakes a little bit. Don't, don't bring out your pitchforks against Simone. Like he's a, he's a, reliable dude that's really and, all you can ask and i don't know what the alternative is because what lafferty is yeah. the, the extra lafferty's do you really want lafferty mm, and no. the guy yeah the guys in wolfsbury <laughs> um cool and hollander legere really not ready yet um d- talking to you know jd forrest down there and you know legere down there um those guys it's really just about you know their def- decisions in the defensive zone uh, things happen a lot faster at the pro level than what they're they're used to either in juniors or Europe and Hollanders case. Um, and none of the guys down there really scored those three. They're really not putting up the points that I think we expected either. Um, so Simone's not taking anything away from them. And mm-hmm. even if they were ready, I don't think you'd want to bring them up just to put them on the fourth line limited minutes. So um, I think Simone's fine on the fourth line. Right. And and to kind of piggyback off of your point, Jordan, and, and I mean, truly mean no disrespect to to anybody that is listening to this or is watching the game but I think there's a significant portion of hockey fans that just don't know what they're watching aside from seeing the puck go in the back of the net and Mm -hmm. and that's been a big um uh catalyst for a lot of the work that I do because I I just like to share my insights and what I'm seeing and and how things are developing away and aside from just the puck going in the back of the net Mm -hmm. so I I can understand people's frustration that god every time I see this dude with a prime scoring chance it ends up right in the goalie's crest I I completely get it but at the same time it's like there there is more and these are the same people that'll tell you there's more to hockey than just scoring goals too mm-hmm. so it, it's it's a double edged sword but like we've mm-hmm. already discussed it, it's hard to ask more for a guy that's basically on a league minimum contract playing bottom 6 minutes and you know his on ice results have been as good as they are even if the puck's not going in the back of the net for him yeah absolutely well, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and talk with us about all things Penguins. Can you let people know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your work? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Shirey, PGH. Uh, I, I tweet all of my uh, articles, videos, charts, graphs, anything you can think of there. Um, and then you can find my weekly drive to the net column on DKPittsburghSports.com. And it is definitely worth following him and and keeping up with the stuff that he writes and puts out there because it is really informative and it's really helpful for people like me who are still relatively new to the the world of analytics. It's just it's an awesome gateway in with all of your insight and the way that you explain it is just excellent. So we 
just appreciate what you do and appreciate you being here. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to join you ladies anytime. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. And we're back once again. Thank you again to Danny for for coming on to talk with us. That was awesome. We really enjoyed it. Uh, Something else we enjoyed, Bruce Boudreau is back. He's back (laughs) coaching the Canucks. And it's been a a riot so far, to say the least. Taylor, what's going on with that situation? Give us a little bit more Bruce. I know, I know people always make jokes like, you know, the NHL, they recycle coaches. And it's like, when can we get anyone, you know, just new in the league? And I've, I'm that way too. But then, you know, you see the Canucks hire Boudreau and I'm like, this is the greatest thing. The league is better for having him in it just because I, he's so personable. And it goes back to, I mean, you got to go back to 2010-11 season. Um, <laughs> you, you have to remember like back then, we didn't have, you know, like the Penguins have in the room. A bunch of teams have these own their own like documentaries. What the Leafs had one that was like on Amazon Prime. Back then, you didn't have any of that. You really didn't see any of the behind the scenes. I don't even think you could post videos on Twitter back then. So then Ooh. HBO comes out with 24-7 where they're going to follow the Penguins and the Capitals. It's the height of really the kind of Crosby-Ovechkin mm-hmm. rivalry, if you want to call it that. It's a manufactured rivalry, really. And then it's also the Winter Classic which back when it was a cool thing to play outside. Yeah. Now it's never done. So it's like the, the biggest thing. And, and there's all this buildup. And the star from that series, 24-7, really was Bruce Boudreau, just because he's so interesting. <laughs> and I mean, just from watching these press conferences he's doing with the Canucks, it's everything. He's saying something just hilarious. You know, it, it, he hasn't coached. You know, in a while, he's been doing kind of like the media stuff since he, he got fired uh, last. But, you know, he, he's like, he's like, I thought I was going to die out there. Like talking about the morning skate, just being back out there himself. And then that was his introductory press conference. conference. And then the, the following day practice, I guess there are fewer media people there. And he sits down and he's like, what? And he's like, all the phonies are gone. <laughs> and he's like, did they give out like free meal yesterday? There are like 150 here. <laughs> it's like, oh no, there's God. only a couple of you. So. Um, what he said, you know, he's like, my, my philosophy is, is why do we let opposing teams into our zone ever? Um, and it's like great (laughs) observation. And it was funny. I don't know if you saw, cause you know, his first game, they won four, nothing, uh, which was great. And then the fans are chanting Bruce, there it is. (laughs) Oh my God. Which is the funniest thing. And, you know, he was asked about it and he said, uh, he said, you know, if we lose the next one, they might be chanting Bruce, there it goes. There are very good, very good. Which is like, I, you, you don't really see a lot of coaches like cracking jokes like this. And he's always been like that. Like the two things I pulled up for when he was with, with the wild, um, you know, when the mumps were going around, um, he said, uh, this is, you know, 2017. He said, he's staying away from the wild players diagnosed with mumps. He, and the quote, I'm already fat enough. I don't need to get lumpy anymore. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> um, this, this is what we need in the NHL. You need coaches like this. Really, really you do. Another, it's so entertaining. Another funny one. Um, this is from 2018. The, the tweet is from Michael Russo, who covers the team. And the tweet starts out, there's a, there's a fire alarm at the Wilds Hotel at 2 a.m. I guess they're on the road. 
the alarm blared for 30 minutes. People evacuated for an hour. Boudreaux stayed in bed. Quote, I wasn't going to walk down 15 flights of stairs. I didn't smell any smoke. I said, I'm chancing it, which is just like hilarious. <laughs> um, and like, I remember when he was with the wild and, you know, I, I went, I did, I covered, you know, the morning skate when they were in Pittsburgh one day and um, we're standing around like, you know, outside the locker room uh, waiting for him to talk. And he just kind of around standing around like BSing with all of us and, uh, blaring from the wild locker room is Elvis, just like a couple Elvis songs. And like one of the writers was like, Elvis, like what? And then Boudreau was like, Oh yeah, we got a, We got a couple guys on the team old enough to have seen him live. Like, <laughs> cause like the wild did have like a couple of older guys on the team at the time. I think that was like, you know, like stall Prusa oh suitor, but, uh, just he, he's oh. so funny and it's so great to, to have him back. I'm so disappointed that the Canucks were already here. And now that we have to yeah. wait, until yeah. next season to have to have Boudreaux come back to Pittsburgh, but but yeah, he's he's the greatest. He's a lot of fun. We need to. We talked about this already, but we need to get together to watch that twenty four seven because yeah, oh my so god, good. need some of that in my life immediately. Yeah. yeah. So what else is going on around the league? I don't pay a ton of attention to other teams. I know that st- I know that every week it feels like there's something crazy that happened or some kind of wonky play or some kind of like insane happening what's going on well that would have been tuesday night's uh unreal lacrosse assist from trevor zegris and go look it up i i just you gotta go watch it this is the most beautiful assist i've ever seen because it's the Michigan slash lacrosse goal, whatever you want to call it. Um, Trevor Zegers, when the Ducks were playing, the Sabres was behind the net. You saw him go to do it. And then instead of wrapping around the net, he just flipped it over the net. And I forget who the guy that was that scored it because everyone's just talking about Zegers. But his teammate that scored it just batted it in and kept the stick down and everything. I, I think it broke the internet yesterday. Everybody could not stop talking about it. His reaction might be funnier because just the stills from after goes in, you just see him like holding his head, like he didn't that works. Yeah. And then on the bench when they're watching the replay, he's just like laughing and just, you can see, I mean, Trevor Zegers, my God, we are going to have so much fun watching this kid for so long. He is ridiculously mm. talented and then some, but that goal was one of the ones that assists where you just sit there and you're like, oh, oh my, I, you just, you don't have words. You don't have words. Yep. Well, because, and the goalie he did it on was Uko Pekalukinen, who the Sabres had just caught up from Rochester. The poor, he, he played, he played well. I mean, well, the Sabres lost two nothing in that game, but um, I, I thought it was funny. Like, so Lukanen probably may, maybe, I don't know, expecting the Michigan because, uh, you know, mm. looking so when he was in Cincinnati in the ECHL, um, Wheeling, a Wheeling player scored a Michigan goal on Ukopeka Lukin and Brandon Hawkins. Um, so Lukin is, you know, pretty familiar, I guess, a little familiar with that. He's gotten scored on by Michigan before, but uh, I don't think we've ever seen Michigan assist anywhere. Mm-hmm. So there is no way to prepare for that. It was, it was wild. Um, yeah, I, I think I saw it when I was at work. So my brain didn't even quite register what I had seen. I was, I was just scrolling through Twitter very casually. I was like, what? (laughs) And then I just kept going. But yeah, after watching it over and over and over again, I'm like, holy, how, how? (laughs) And like, it landed exactly where it needed to be so that it wasn't called for high sticking. It was just yeah. boop. 
it like un unreal and yeah the awareness that he had to to commit to the pass instead of trying to attempt to do the um the lacrosse goal itself like that that was just so much fun you know what else was fun uh <laughs> watching a dog take a massive dump <laughs> center ice at wells fargo uh right on top of the flyers logo that was art like it life imitating art, art imitating life. It was so seamless that it all just kind of came together. I don't know it. it you could make that into a painting and I would buy it and on the day they fired Elaine Mignot, the day they fired their coach. Poetry. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. It was amazing. Uh-huh. It was- yep. That dog. Good boy. The best boy. <laughs> the best boy. Yeah. I don't know. I, if- Fly, Flyers fans are honestly like really funny people. I, maybe because they've been bad for so long, they've just learned to accept it. But yeah. I don't know, just the tweets that I saw like some of them making about, I mean, because that was a crazy day, but like the dog crapping on the logo. The the tweet I, I pulled up, I thought was funny. Um, the account is fly goals scored by, but like they're, they're trying to make it sound like, you know, generic hockey player, you know, quotes. And it said like, uh, yeah, you know, we just got to dig deep, you know, dog craps on your ice. We got to address that. I'm proud of the way the team handled the dog poop. We played a 200 foot game, but you know, tough sled out there covered in dog crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my just, God. It's just so funny. Like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, dogs, you know, got to poop. I kept t- telling the guys that dogs poop. It's up to us to not skate directly <laughs> into it. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, I, it was oh. like I don't know why the dog. It was, I think it was like a it was a police thing, and because there was, there was like yeah. German shepherds, and I think they were just taking like a photo. But it's like I don't, I don't know. It was so, nice. on the logo. I mean, you just mm-hmm. couldn't you couldn't script it any better. You could not no. any better. It's a metaphor that for their season. A, a little bit. Yep, a, a <laughs> metaphor for their entire trajectory since they last won the cup over seventeen. Was it, is it? Have we hit the seventeen thousand marker yet? I know we were quickly days, yeah. approaching it. Yeah, I just know nineteen seventy five. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. There's a there's a Twitter account since the Flyers last cup, and they tweeted out every every so often. Um, every yeah, day. So yeah. Yeah. Sixteen thousand nine hundred ninety six days yesterday. So that the seventeen thousand day. Uh, Mark will be when they're in Arizona, I believe, playing the Coyotes. Um, and that's coming up very, very quickly. And I know that that Twitter account tweeted out that they wanted to find somebody who was going to be at the game in Arizona to take a sign <laughs> and bring it. Ah, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that's going to be happening on Saturday. That's the 17,000th day. So Mike Yo, the assistant coach, he's their interim head coach now. They're still going to be looking for a head coach. I mean, Mike Yo, I'm assuming, would be in consideration. Do we got to assume Tockett um, yeah. in consideration? Just the guys that are still out there. Um, yeah. And, you know, given Tockett's connection to Philly, you think got to seem like he's a, um, you know, a good contender for that job. But does mm-hmm. that make Kessel, you know, likely to end up in oh, Philly? Oh, don't. I don't know. It don't. <laughs> Kessel did want to go to a contender, so – I think yeah, that would rule really out Philly, really. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Tockett, yeah, I don't know. He's doing he's doing the TV broadcast now on uh, TNT. He's been pretty good on that. He did. Yeah. 
I but since uh, since we last recorded talk, and he did tell that story on TNT about um, it was it was one of the cup runs, and he said he brought a brand brand new it was like I think an eighteen hundred dollars suit for the playoffs. And I guess the first two games he wore it, uh, they lost. And he said Crosby pulled him aside and he said, hey, Tak, you're 0-2 in that suit. Put it in the closet. And Tak said he never wore it again. <laughs> so, I know, I just, yeah, I mean, and that's, such, that's such like a, a Crosby thing. Like, <laughs> it's so perfectly said. It really yeah. is. All, all those little things. Like I've heard, I mean, you, you hear former teammates tell stories all the time about how just like the littlest things of like, you know, they lose, you know, he'll avoid that. Or if, you know, something tiny happens and they win, it's like, you got to keep doing that. Um, it was something like, I think, you know, when Paul Martin came in, Paul Martin, he, he asked Paul Martin to like, I think like tie down what it was, maybe his back strap or something. It was something like the equipment related and other guys are like, don't do it because if, if you do, and then they win, you're going to have to do that every game. Like, <laughs> so just the little things. I think that's so funny that he just kept track in his head, you know, talk it or that suit two times and he lost. <laughs> like, I just can't do it. Does he have like a little notebook, like in his locker? Like, okay, like Latang purple oh suit doing pretty good. Does he, you know, pull the tank aside? On like, hey, can you wear the purple suit? Like we need, we need a boost. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, that's why the penguins have won recently and the flyers haven't won since 1975. I mean, <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, Winning ways. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed, whether it's on YouTube or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. New episodes drop every Thursday. So we will see you back here same time next week. Bye.